Chapter 16 Arulmolivarmar Around 980 years ago the southern lands flourished under the inimitable rule of Emperor Rajakesari Varmar Sundarachodar who had ascended the throne approximately 12 years before this story opens In the last 100 years the Chola empire had grown by leaps and bounds its dominions expanding with every generation and yet affairs were in a tumultuous state when sundarachodar came to power foes were gaining in strength to the south and north of the empire sundara's predecessor kandaraditar had pledged himself to shivapermaan and lost himself in worship such was his piety that he had even earned the respectful title shivagnana kandaraditar deep devotion aside this meant that the empire's administration suffered as he had little time to spare for affairs of state nor did he bend his mind or energy towards expanding existing dominions arinjayar who succeeded his brother to the throne stayed on it for merely a year before breathing his last in atroor in tondai mandalam thus earning a unique sobriquet atrooril tunjiya tevar which meant that his son parandaga sundarachodar was his heir and successor the young ruler seemed to possess every characteristic that defined an emperor destined to raise his people and lands to great heights naturally inclined towards battle and proficient in martial strategy one of the first things he did upon ascending the throne was to go to war in the south chola and pandya forces clashed in a terrible battle in sevur despite the assistance of ilangai king mahindan's army which had journeyed all the way from ilangai veera pandyan's hordes suffered a crushing defeat at the hands of the far greater cholas lost without his crown kingdom and cohorts veerapandian managed to escape with just his life and hid himself away in a mountainous cave in arid lands nursing his wounds in humiliation the eram forces suffered heavy casualties as well those few who managed to survive decided that glory and valor were much too large a price to pay and took to their heels back to ilangai such had been the situation for at least a while now it had become almost an acknowledged practice of sorts for the king of eram to aid the pandyas whenever the latter tussled with the cholas sundarar not unnaturally wanted to put a stop to this he decided that the sinhala kings needed to be taught a lesson and sent a large force under the command of commander parandagavelan the younger of the kodumbalu dynasty to teach it the intentions may have been exceptional but the army failed when it came to strategy and execution despite their huge numbers the chola forces did not reach ilangai at the same time a lack of ships forced them to stagger their approach the first lot instead of waiting for the rest of them to arrive and regroup took a decision to advance alone they paid for their lack of forethought dearly sinhala forces led by mahindan's trusted commander sena surrounded them bloody battle broke out and raged furiously and it was here that parandagavela and the younger lost his life carving a name for himself in the history and stone inscriptions of tamilagam forevermore with this valiant title eerathu patta parandaga siriya velan or parandaga velan the younger who embraced death at eram no sooner did veerapandian hiding in his cave hear this news than he gathered forces again to battle the choras renewed with a fresh burst of courage and hope he was destined to taste a defeat far worse than the previous time not only was his army routed out but he himself lost his life this was the battle that saw the emergence of sundarachodar's son aditya karigalar as a decisive warrior 
He took charge, decimated the enemy, and performed a great many valiant deeds, which earned him the prestigious title of Veera Pandyan Talaykonda Koppara Kesari, the Koppara Kesari who beheaded Veera Pandyan. They might have proven their point with the Pandya forces, but the urge to teach Sinhala King Mahindan a lesson still burned fiercely, not just in Sundarachora's heart, but also of his commanders, aides, right down to the last raw soldier. Accordingly. A huge army was assembled once again, but this time an important question cropped up: Who would lead them? Sundarachodar's first-born Crown Prince Aditya Karigalar was stationed with his forces in the northern frontiers at this time. Lately, the Rashtrakuta forces had been usurping power in the Tirumanai Padi and Tondai Mandalam. The prince had taken them to task severely and driven them out. His mission complete. He had made Kanchi his headquarters and was immersed in preparations for further war in the north. This being the case, it was obvious that there was now a chance for others to prove themselves. The commanders of the Chola forces now began to compete among themselves in earnest for the honor of leading their army to Eram. Much jealousy was roused. Many the incidents of backstabbing and resentment. In those hoary days, it was more the norm among warriors to fight for the honor of leaving for the battlefield than staying behind. Many were the quarrels and disputes that often rose when it came to expressing valor in war. One man, however, came forward to hush them and avoid further altercations. Sundarachodar's younger son, Prince Arulmuli Varmar. Appa, he addressed his father. I've spent enough time being coddled by my aunts and grandmothers at Padayare. Kindly appoint me the commander of the Southern Chola forces. Allow me to leave for Ilangai, and I shall lead our men to victory. Barely nineteen at that time, he was the cherished youngest child of the emperor, adored by the many queens and royal ladies of Padayare, and indeed, the much beloved son of Chola Nadu itself. Emperor Sundara Chola was a handsome man. His father Arunjayar, infatuated with the luminous beauty of Kalyani, a princess of the Vaidhumbarayar clan, legendary force of the Chola dynasty, had married her forthwith. Their son had been named Parandagar. Chola subjects, however, who were dazzled by his chiselled features and good looks, promptly named him Sundarar, the beauteous one. The name found favour and was adopted henceforth. It was only natural that all his offspring be famed for their looks. But the last Arul Mori Varmar outshone them all. His features possessed a beauty that seemed not merely human, but almost divine in their perfection. As an infant, he was coddled and petted endlessly by the royal women. So many were the kisses showered on his chubby cheeks that they were almost blistered red. But the one who cherished him the most, perhaps, was his elder sister Kundavai. She may have been only a couple of years older than him, but somehow the idea that she was responsible for her young brother's well-being had lodged itself firmly in young Kundavai's consciousness. Even more astonishing, Arun Mori Varmar cherished an equal, if not greater, regard and affection for his sister. Not a thought or word would he entertain that might displease her. Kundavai's slightest wish was his command. Her every word carried almost divine authority. Not even the combined forces of the Holy Trinity, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, could serve to turn him against her or ignore her instructions. The very thought was repugnant to him. She, for her part, spent many nargais watching him keenly. 
not just when he was awake but asleep as well he possesses divine gifts this boy a strange power a magnetism she would muse often as her eyes scrutinized his chiseled features it is my duty to ensure that his potential is nurtured to fruition she turned his palms upwards often as he slept and gazed keenly at the lines that crisscrossed them in her imagination they resembled the divine conch and discus symbols of the supreme tirumal himself ah this young man was obviously meant to bring the whole wide world under his benign rule but then there seemed to be no indication whatsoever that he would ever ascend the chola throne there were already two contenders to the empire senior to him where was the question of arulmori ever becoming a ruler which throne would he ever grace on the other hand humans were incapable of understanding god's will or his divine plans the world was huge thousands of rajyams and empires dotted its surface there were wondrous tales of heroes traveling from one kingdom to another winning each and ascending thrones with incredible courage and indomitable will weren't there hadn't a young prince from the country of vanga practically thrown out from his own fertile ganga enriched plains made his escape on boat reached ilangai and managed to rule that island country wisely and well hadn't his descendants the proud sinhala royal family carried his name for a thousand years thus kundavai pirati spent her days foreseeing and planning endlessly her young sibling's future eventually when discussion about commanding the forces to iram came up she decided that arulmori was the best contender for the position tambi it hurts me greatly to be parted from you but i am afraid i must be the one to send you away she said you must go to ilangai you will be the commander of the southern chola forces the prince submitted to this dictum with great enthusiasm hitherto he had been stifled among the overpowering affection of the royal mothers when oh when would he ever be rid of their smothering ties and now his very sister had given him permission to leave what more did he need there would be no obstacles to his going either was there a soul in the chola empire who could gainsay her did she not reign supreme in emperor sundara chola's heart and did not he think the world of his daughter's good sense in due course prince arulmoli varmar was appointed the tendisai madanda nayakar the commander of the southern chola forces he left for ilangai and did head the armed forces for an appreciable time war however was not finished with him there seemed to be a great deal of difference between his and others approach to it there were a good many equipments and implements he had considerable difficulty in procuring in this war torn land he needed these from his home country for which he duly made a visit petitioning his father the emperor having made arrangements to suit his purpose he soon prepared to set off for ilangai again princess kundavai made sure that her brother departed padayarai in pomp and splendor she had organized quite a few events in the principal palace for his edification when arulmori stepped out from the royal courtyard conches blew deafeningly murasu drums thundered victoriously accompanied by the smaller siruparai beats chants of triumph cleaved the very skies Every one of the royal mothers blessed their favorite son, applied sacred ash on his forehead, uttered many blessings to ward off evil spirits and gave him leave to return to battle. 
at the palace's main entrance as prince arulmoli varmar prepared to step from within the complex towards the street stood kundavai devi's handmaidens each with a golden plate in her hand and on it a lamp burning bright no ordinary young women either these each was a member of some of the land's most prominent royal families each considered it the epitome of good fortune to serve at the feet of periya pirati sembian mahadevi and be the friend and confidant of kundavai pirati one among them was the kodumbalur princess vanadi daughter of parandaga velan the younger the prince neared them the young ladies felt their hearts flutter in excitement and delight they raised their golden plates and began to perform an aarti abruptly for some reason vanadi's slender frame shook and shivered danar the plate slipped from her nerveless hands and fell to the ground in an explosion of sound ah how inauspicious was the thought that flitted through the minds of everyone present and yet despite the plate having crashed down in such a terrible fashion the wick continued to burn steadily an almost audible sigh of relief swept in a gust through the gathering this pronounced many elders was an excellent omen indeed a smile blossomed on the face of prince arulmoli varmar at the terrified young woman who had let slip her plate in such an inexplicable fashion he moved beyond her and the next instant vanadi who was obviously overwhelmed with embarrassment at her clumsiness crumpled to the ground unconscious the rest of the women following kundavai's command swiftly carried her into a room and laid her on a platform Ilaya Pirati herself stayed with Vanadi trying to bring her around in vain so absorbed was she in the task that she did not even watch her brother take his leave Arunmuri Varmar who had caught sight of Vanadi fainting at the doorstep paused before climbing onto his horse and sent a messenger to his sister What ails the young woman who just fainted now is she better Ask the prince to step in here for a moment was princess Kundavai's terse reply Accustomed to obeying her every command, Arunmuri Varmar returned to the palace at once. He walked into the room Vanadi was laid in and saw his sister trying desperately to bring that young woman around as she lay against her shoulder. The sight was enough to melt his heart. "Who is this young woman, Akka?" asked the prince. "What's her name?" "Vanadi. She is the daughter of Kodumbalur Parandaga Velan the younger," answered Kundavai, almost abstracted. she's frightened easily ah now i understand the reason for her weakness wasn't her father the warrior who led chora forces to ilangai and embraced death in battle perhaps those memories were too much for her perhaps but i shall take care of her never fear may you be victorious in war thambi return to us safely and keep me apprised of everything through messages advised kundavai as you wish acknowledged the prince please do the same for me as well perhaps it was the effect of his melodious voice but vanadi began to regain consciousness by degrees her eyes fluttered the sight of the prince in front of her made them open very wide her face bloomed with unexpected delight lips as red as coral parted a little and a shy smile appeared on her face dimpling her cheeks with consciousness returned awareness She rose suddenly bashful and realized that she had been lying against Princess Kundavai all this while. Embarrassment overwhelmed her as she remembered all that had happened in an instant. 
Akka, Akka, what have I done? She whispered, her eyes brimming with tears. The prince cut in before Kundavai could. There is no need to fret, Vanadi. These things happen to the best of us. And you, in particular, have more reason than any to be overwhelmed. In fact, I was saying as much to Ilai Pirati. Vanadi could barely believe her ears. Was it really the prince, widely reputed to have never even glanced at any woman, consoling her thus? Was it really he who was soothing her with sweet words? Ah, how could she bear such good fortune? What had she done to deserve this? Why, her skin was breaking out in goosebumps. Her head spun. She was about to faint again. Akka, my men await me. The prince spoke once more. When next you send a missive, kindly inform me about this young woman's health as well. Do take care of her. She has no one else, you see. He was gone on the words. The rest of Princess Kundavai's handmaidens observed this exchange with keen interest, watching from various balconies and through windows that liberally dotted the palace. A spark of jealousy was kindled in their hearts, which swiftly burst into a roaring flame. For ever since then, Kundavai made Vanadi her special friend and began to take a keen interest in that young lady. The two were inseparable. Kundavai showered Vanadi with affection. Fine arts, music or skill, she taught her everything she knew and the two were rarely apart. Kundavai often took a young friend to the royal gardens where she spoke at length about her brother's fortunes, her own dreams and the grand future she had imagined for him. To all this, Vanadi listened with rapt and gratifying attention. The Kodumbalur maiden fainted four or five times more after this incident. Kundavai attended to her always and brought her back to consciousness. The younger girl would come too, sobbing as if her heart would break each time. Silly girl, Kundavai would remonstrate and console her as best as she could. Come on now, dry your tears. Why do you weep this way? I, 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 I don't know, Akka. Vanadi would sob more. Forgive me, please. And Kundavai would embrace her, soothing her with soft words of reassurance and comfort. All this, of course, only served to fan the flames of jealousy even more in the hearts of the other handmaidens. Considering everything that had occurred so far, wasn't it only natural that they behaved the way they did once Kundavai and Vanadi had set out for Kudandai? Hidden Meanings and Explanations 1. Uttered many blessings to ward off evil spirits. The royal mothers bless Arunmori thus on the eve of his departure to Ilangai. Described by Kalki as Drishti Kadithe. Drishti. Drishti, although generally meaning sight, here indicates the evil eye. Simple rituals to remove such nefarious karmic ills involved one or all of the following. A. Circle the recipient of the evil eye with fire, usually lit camphor. B. Circle the recipient with a fistful of salt and chilies and then carefully throw said fistful either in a kitchen fire or at a crossroads. C. Touch the face of the recipient and crack your knuckles against your forehead. Said to be the simplest and most effective of removal procedures and followed almost unanimously by most mothers. Variations include applying a dark mark of mai or coal on the face but in Tamilagam, this was usually reserved for babies and very young children. As Arulmori was considered a child by the royal ladies, 
one isn't quite sure if he was subjected to this treatment as well. 2. Widely reputed to have never glanced at any woman. This is how Kalki describes, through Vanadi's thoughts, Prince Arulmoli Varmar. Pengalai sadharanamaga yeritu parkamale pogum vadakamudaya ilavarasar. To someone unfamiliar with ancient Tamil codes that defined manliness, this description might prove befuddling. The trick is to look beyond the literal meaning. Women were not looked upon as lustful objects. This evolved into a social construct. Unfamiliar women were not to be gazed at as a mark of respect and graciousness. Clearly, in this context, Vanadi doesn't mean that Arunmori Varmar never looks at women, only that he doesn't treat them as objects of desire, since he respects the royal ladies not to mention the greatest influence in his life, his mentor, advisor, guide and the one he reveres more than anyone, his sister Kundavai.